Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's mm. going. It's pretty aloha. Yeah. Want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I can always talk about aloha. Buh. You, um... Buh. It's a little, little bit early, but... It's kind of early. Yeah, yeah. I slept well last night. Oh, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I don't always sleep well. It's not, <clears> I wake up in the morning, thing. I look at my phone, and it tells me how well I slept. And it, uh, you know, provides uh, confirmation or punishment. <laughs> that I have very little actual control over. <laughs> Let's see who's mad at me on Twitter today and how I slept. Yeah, those are the two first things you need to know in the day. Willkommen. So you, um, you, um, is it fair to say that you, uh, in as much as you can say, you know, operational security, you went to Hawaii. Is that right? Hmm. Hmm. If you, uh, if you listen carefully, um, you, uh, the discerning listener uh, will perceive that I'm still in Hawaii. Shut your whore mouth. Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, God, it must be so early. What is it, like, like three in the morning there? It's three in the morning, yeah. Oh, sh- I'm sorry, man. No, no, it's good. It's good. See, I need to, uh, I need, um, I need order in my life. I need, <laughs> I need uh, structure. Mm-hmm. And so getting up in the morning is a form of, structure as far as i understand it so it's it's certainly a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. so you know the chickens uh, of course the rooster oh they um, go at it early don't they they do and this uh, this uh, these wild jungle roosters here um they're they they first start to crow at about 3 a.m yeah they they have an ordered life they do (laughs) they do that, now, was a, that was a weird adjustment for me. We were, uh, I think we were, I don't know, I forget how long we were there, but when we were in Hawaii, a lot of adjustments. First of all, I had to adjust mm-hmm. to the fact that all of my, uh, all of our shit had been stolen uh, in a break-in. That's that sucked. Yeah. Uh, I also had to adjust to the, uh, well, there's the food, which I'm not going to talk about. Okay. And what I will say is I was not ready. We weren't in, I want to say, Kauai? Yeah, sure. Just go ahead and throw some syllables Kauai, at it. Kauai, we're, we're Kauai. one of the island, one of the islands. And yeah. uh, and anyway, uh, <laughs> big adjustment. It's so early, John. No, I know. Fuck. I know. Um, oh, there's some wild cats here, and the, well, the that's cat. what I was just gonna say. It was the the roosters and the cats. Those just cats, just like I don't know if feral's the right word. They're not angry, but no, there are the just just packs of cats. Um. Here at the here at the house here at uh, Shay Shay Uncle Jack, mm-hmm. um, you know the 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 story here is that the various members of my family uh, over the course of the three months that Uncle Jack lives here in the winter, various various cousins um, come for little little bursts of time, a week here, a couple of weeks. To be with Uncle Jack. This is what bit you in the behind last year, right? Was there right. was a scheduling um, cock up with who was going to be where when, and that led to you being there. Was that was that last the same time last year? Has it been same that time. a year? Same time. Really? Last year. The yeah. Aloha Tortoise Talk Turtle Talk was a year ago. A year ago. Shit, dog. I know. And uh, anyway, continue with but your so, story. So, so yeah. some of my cousins by, and I'm going to say the majority of them think that the feral cats are cute Mm -hmm. and they go to the grocery store and they buy a big bag of cat food and then they buy little cans of special cat food because, you know, cats Mm -hmm. need special treatment. And then they put 
bowls of cat food. Let me see how many, if I can count how many bowls there are. One, two, three. There, there, there are two, two bowls, a Tupperware container, and the lid of a box of candy. Hmm. And all four of them have different kinds of cat food in them. Wow. And so what, what you get around here is a lot of feral cats. And I can only imagine... I don't know. I haven't seen any rats, but the chickens eat the cat food. Mm-hmm. Um, all the little birds and snakes and airplanes. Um, you've got everything eating this food. And uh, the mama cat now has the mama cat who, when you first arrive on the scene, hisses at you like, you know, just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she has four adorable little kittens. Mm-hmm. We had kittens. There was like, I'll send you a hilarious video of my my kid when she was like three, and it's, it's it had to be like six or eight tiny little <laughs> little, little cats. And we were, I was just I didn't want her to get you know, sure rabies or something. Yeah, I, yeah. You, you don't want Hawaiian rabies. It's no scratch foot or, or yeah. trench, trench <laughs> yeah. butt or whatever trench mouth the bucket head. Um. So uh, and like three of the cats have half tails. Mm. And I and and I think that when I saw the mom, I was like, "Oh, lost your tail in a fight, huh?" With your attitude. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then I saw the kittens, and they also have short tails, so I think it's just a genetic thing. Mm. Anyway, so and then there's the birds that go kulu kulu kulu, and the birds that go wee wee wee, and all the other birds, a hundred kinds of birds, and you know the the my microphone may or may not be picking up the the cacophony of bird sound i hear us a very uh, you, you it does not you sound really good but i hear i hear very subtle cuckoo cuckoo yep is that what i'm hearing yep it's not very subtle from where i am it mm. sounds it sounds like the jungle ride at disneyland um mm. or like the jungle ride at disneyland used to if mm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but anyway i've been working on my aloha i've been here for uh, a little over a week i've got i've got um little less than a week to go and uh and uh yeah the aloha you know it's it's um boy it's an elusive state of mind Mm -hmm. to get into aloha when you're coming from no loha oh sorry sorry (coughs) this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you in part by squarespace you can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. There are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. You can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into your new home right on the web. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog, uh, galleries. You can publish any kind of content. You can also sell products and services of all kinds right from your Squarespace site. You can promote your physical or online business. I highly recommend this. Uh, most sites for businesses are not very good. They didn't tell me to say that, but the Squarespace sites are so good and they're so easy to use and they work on every dingus. You can even announce an upcoming event or a special project. They can do all of this and more by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything you want online. You get the ability to customize the look and feel, the settings, products, all that and more with just a few clicks, literally. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, and they're offering a new way to buy domains where you can choose from over 200 extensions. You get analytics to help you grow in real time and built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting with nothing to patch or upgrade ever. 
And of course, they do have their 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They're encouraging folks to make it. Make it yourself. Stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Uh, yeah, you probably already know. I'm, I'll say it again. I'm, you, you people are apparently still not all getting a Squarespace site, so I'll tell you again. They run all my personal sites, um, several of them, including uh, the Roderick on the Line site, which means you are literally, literally using Squarespace right now. Uh, I really, uh, it, it's a great service, and I recommend it. So right now, you go and you check out squarespace.com slash supertrain. You get a free trial. When you're ready to launch your site, you use the offer code SUPERTRAIN to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. These folks have been good to me personally and professionally. I uh, give them my official okie-dokie, squarespace.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. No, no, that's all right. It's oh, okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I just, just coined that. No, 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 Aloha. Mm-hmm. No loha. <laughs> it's, it's so early. It's really early. Um, I, had, I had a little bit of banana bread, but banana bread it's, mm-hmm. it's not enough to put me in a good in a good head. Um, it's been a year. Mm. You um, hi hi, and so so that year ago, um, you were doing a lot of uh, a lot of stuff with Uncle Jack. You got in some shoes. Um, and you, uh, if we go back and listen to those old episodes, you had a bit of a saga with Aloha. Yeah. Just to, to maybe review for new listeners, what is your, <laughs> uh, as you sit here today, what is your conception of Aloha and its role in your life? Tell, tell well, people what that means when we talk about Aloha from John's POV. It's changed quite a bit because, you know, last year I was suffering uh, from a lot of anxiety and stress and I didn't everything I, while I was here last year, I got into several big negotiations and arguments with people I was in business with. And just none of it seemed like it was working out. Mm. Um, a lot of it just, I don't know. It just, I, I, I never lost faith in what I was doing, but it just didn't seem like the business relationships were panning out. Mm-hmm. And, Ugh, and I was trying to sell my house, everything, and so I was, I was uh, so stressed out, and um, I got here, and you know, I've, one of the things that drove me to stop drinking in the first place was that I, I was in this state of just perpetual frustration that that manifest as anger. I was so angry. I was angry all the time. And that anger grew and grew and grew until it became kind of murderous anger. Mm-hmm. Every, every situation I confronted, I was just like, these people need to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like really, 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 um, a kind of anger where there's no, there's no way out from it. You know, you don't talk yourself down from it. Because there, because there's no, there's no, there's no reasonable position anymore. And I saw, I saw the trajectory I was on. You know, I was sick and I was drunk and I was homeless and I was all these sort of things that, on the surface, were reasonable causes to stop drinking. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, you, you're like, you're, you're sleeping outside. Like that <laughs> seems like maybe that should be a sign. But, of course, none of those things are. None of the material world things are ever enough to to really to cause a person to quit drinking. I mean, it, it happens. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, I'm going to lose my job. I'd better quit drinking. But but if you're like 
you know, there are a lot of hardcore alcoholics that'll just lose everything and it doesn't stop them. Right. But I looked at my life at the time and was like, oh, the trajectory I'm on is one where I become so consumed with anger that I become just a destroyer, you know, like, like something terrible in the world and, and something and just destroy me. Mm-hmm. Something, destroy something fundamental about me. Well, it starts, I mean, um, I, I'm sure I, I must have said this when we talked about this last time, but it's, it's been my observation that, um, how do I put this? Uh, anger can be a thing that happens all on its own. Like, you know, if something happens, if, if there's been a, a, a terrible injustice, um, even if it doesn't involve you, it's not unusual to be angry because I, uh, it's not, I mean, it's, uh, anger can come up on its own. It's just that for me and possibly for you, anger is a result. It's not a cause mm, in, mm. in my experience. So like mm-hmm. my hangups, my, um, uh, gosh, and I've, I've been thinking so much more about the voice in your head thing. And I have a, I have a new uh, update for you on that. Boy, me too. Um, it has been such a topic of conversation. Yeah, I mean, it comes up a lot. Um, <clears throat> and um, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, I, I uh, one time I think on I'm back to work. We call, I called it like the seven dwarfs of bad bad emotion. Like mm-hmm. you get you get things like you know anger, fear. You know, th- you have these sort of gate gateway emotions that when you repeat them start to form a pattern. And so like what starts out as like things aren't going the way that I want and it feels like people in the world are against me and I, I don't get a break or whatever it is. I mean, you know, th- everybody feels that way sometimes. It's just that I feel like when you get to anger, and especially repeated anger or sometimes erratic bursting anger is usually, it's not a thing on its own. I don't think. I think anger is what, is when the top blows off sort of like with crying, you know, mm-hmm. crying a lot in a lot of ways, uh, it, it tends to be, it's frustration, frustration lead of some kind leads to crying. You know, even if that's frustration about like, I'll never see this person who died. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that matches with your take, but that I do feel like anger is where it ends up. It's the sink that captures all those other bad emotions. And that's how it comes out. If you're not, if you don't have an ordered emotional, life. Um, and, and when you're living in that, whether that's as an alcoholic or as an anxious person or whatever, when you're living in that, it feels so real and so permanent. And so it's just, there's no way to pop out of it. You know, it's when you talk about like not realizing you should stop drinking or not realizing you need to adjust something about this anger coming out. Don't you think? I mean, it's, it comes from somewhere else, it wells up, and then when you're living in it, it's it's difficult to see anything but that. It's like when you get to the idea of rage, well, what is, what is rage? Rage is like an uncontrollable, often violent kind of anger. And that, you know, but I think it starts someplace else. It's And then it's hard to just, you know, strap some aloha onto that and call it a day. It's very challenging. Yeah, you can't just, aloha is not a thing you can. Aloha is not, not like a strap on. No, it's not a strap on. It's not a. It's not a like a. a it's not something that that comes uh, from the factory, right? It's not like a true coat or an undercoat. There was a actually. This reminds me just real quick. Um, there was a, a one time I listened to a lot of Mabim Bam, as you know, and they had a question um, from somebody um, about. <laughs> I found a, I think it was a Yahoo question where somebody had said, oh, no, no, it was, it was a letter from, from, from one of the listeners, something like their, um, 
they have this family member, this grand grandmother who insists on like, she's like a cereal baker. Like she, she makes things, she makes food, she, but she always uses expired ingredients. <laughs> right. And it's like, her. or I like, you know, or like, you know, the other, the equivalent here, I'm, what I'm saying is like, you know, you're not going to make that old expired nasty chicken tasty mm. and healthy by heating it. It's mm. already gone bad. You're using corrupted ingredients <laughs> and no <laughs> amount of wonderful cooking is going to make corrupted ingredients good. And mm. um, I'll make it even worse here. Um, you, you only need one little bit of corrupted ingredient to cause a mm. lot of problems. You only mm. need a little bit of bad ground beef and with the good ground beef. And now you're making a stink burger. Stink burger. And I think, are you following me on the analogy? Oh, Merlin analogies mm -hmm. that, that, that bump over a rough Hawaiian road mm -hmm. are my stock in trade. And so if you're uh, working so with bad ingredients, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a good bake. It's true. Yeah. It's true. What you say, I, when I was younger and I mean all the way into my thirties, I didn't experience anger as I didn't experience any uh, emotion any negative emotion in any form other than depression. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, this is like after the murderousness, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that was sort of a special category of like the kind of, the kind of murderousness that to, to, it was still waters, right? Nobody, nobody would have seen anger on me. Um, it was just in me. But in every other regard, all negative emotions got got pushed into uh, into depression, into self hate, right? And mm -hmm. then at a certain point in early thirties, I was doing a lot of work on myself and trying to figure out what was going on, and I I, I realized that anger was something separate from depression. I realized that there were. You know, the disappointment was separate from depression. All these things. This is a long time before I knew what anxiety even was. Mm -hmm. And I went through a phase where I was just really angry, angry, externally angry. And that was when I realized, like, oh, I'm I'm like, a, I'm scary, right? I'm too big. <laughs> You're too, too big to be angry. I'm too big to be angry, right? Yeah. Like somebody my size and my amount of formidable uh, I can't be angry in the world. Like it's awful. You, you and I had a face to face one time at your house. That yeah. was. Um, I don't think we've had too many of these. No. I think we've had fewer than three or four face to face <clears throat> showdowns about something, and it doesn't matter what it was about. But I think we both felt very wounded about what was happening. We saw what was happening from a different point of view, um, and but you were. You you carried yourself in a way I've never seen you before, and I'll just say that you were you were very emotional, and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, maybe because you're big, but also because I just don't like I I, I you know me I hate confrontation, but you, you know I think we worked it out. Um, I hope, and but like it was it it is when you get to be an adult and you're a civilized person, you don't want to be the person who becomes known as the the angry. Yeah, not not you, but anybody. The angry yeah. yelling could go off at any time, person. Um, because then you know people are even scared to tell you that you're scary. Yeah the uh, the 
the thing about being, you know, about having that much anger, of course, is that when it does, when it does manifest and, you know, when it gets, when you feel like you're pushed to the edge, there is no more, there are no checks on it past a certain point, you know, and, and that's, um, that's awful to live through. And it's also awful to see reflected in other people. And so I had to spend a lot of time <clears throat> trying to figure out how to stop it before it got there. And, and, you know, a lot of that is, is 35 years of suppressing it. Mm-hmm. So not having any, not having built up the natural, normal. Yeah. I mean, like, like the, emo- would- the emotional, um, the emotional toolbox that some people can sort of manage and deploy better than others. You know, there's just, there are certain things where like we have these intense emotions getting very deep. Um, but we get those very intense emotions that we are not sure how to resolve and it's but it's got to come out somewhere or, you know, you, you burst. In a lot of, in a lot of interactions with people, I, I find that, a lot of people get into a posture there where they're, you know, they're wounded or they are, they feel confronted and, um, and the kind of blindness that comes over them is a blindness of, um, it's all someone else's fault or it's all, you know, it's a, it's a, a blindness of victimization mm-hmm. where, um, which, you know, I think ultimately and long-term in the world is as, as destructive as anything. For me, I never feel, I, I never feel like a victim. Never feel victimized. I feel injustice. You know, I feel that uh, those those that that anger that comes from a feeling of that something is being perpetrated on the world and needs to be um, confronted, right? Mm-hmm. But so for a long, 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 long time, I've been trying to arrest that uh, before it gets started because it's really, you have to be way upstream from it. And and sometimes in arguments with people, I'm like, I really, I'm not bailing on this argument. I just have to go, you know, I have to go away from it. I have to go outside. I have to go walk around. Like I can't just be in this cycle. I can't be in a closed space. I can't get, please don't back me against a wall, you know, um, but in the last couple of years, all of a sudden anxiety appeared, which was not a, which was not an experience I ever had, um, separate from other bad emotions. I never w- was just anxious. You know, it was all, it always came out as, as some kind of other thing, or maybe I just didn't feel in, in in a way, I mean, personally looking at it from inside, I don't think I ever felt anxiety. Hmm. Um, it w- and when people would describe anxiety to me, it wasn't a thing that I recognized. And I think like a lot of people um, like me, when they started to confront people, because anxiety became a thing that that people started to really talk about openly, it seems like only a few years ago, at least in my perception Right. I know people have been talking about anxiety for decades, but I always thought of it as a kind of mad magazine or Philip Roth anxiety, like a 
neuroticism, being a neurotic. Yeah, that's right. But like somebody, somebody who writes uh, short fiction for the New Yorker. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. It's a it's a very (laughs) neurotic neuroticism to me is almost in the same way that you very rarely call a man bitchy. Um, I think that um, when you when you're when you're trying to uh, I'm sorry it is so goddamn early I don't know what's wrong with my brain today the um, the anxiety uh, okay so here's the thing the other night we were watching that uh, movie um, Temple Grandin about Temple Grandin oh yeah who's yep. such an interesting person her, her TED talk is really really good she's so fascinating if you don't know who she is um, she talks to horses. She, yeah, she is a, she's, well, the, the nut graph here is that she is a woman, um, who grew up in a time where we didn't have, really have an, well, we had, we kind of had a name for what, what, what her deal was, but it was not widely understood and not widely well diagnosed. But she's one of the first, I think she's regarded as one of the first public figures, uh, successful public figures to talk a lot about the experience of, of being autistic and, you know, growing up with autism and going through the systems of life with autism. And, uh, the movie's actually really good, um, with Claire Danes. But, you know, what you get from her, she's, she's not profoundly autistic, but she's pretty damn autistic. She thinks in, she thinks visually. She, uh, has trouble. You know, she's word stuff, not great. She's, she can do any kind of math, but algebra, like algebra is really hard for her. It's just the way her brain is wired subject of her TED talk is why we need people like her doing certain kinds of jobs. And uh, it's really good and really inspiring. But, you know, we, we, so we're watching that and, and talking uh, and the family's just chatting. And I was like, you know, there's so many things today that we have some understanding of that we have some name for that just was not the case when I was a kid. Like, you know, the, the, this, it's really true. In my junior high and in my high school, there was always one double-sized room and I think it was usually called special ed or it was called occupational therapy or it was called something. But to, to paraphrase the Simpsons, it was the Brown reading group. It was everybody who would be disruptive to have in class, but still was mainstreamed into the public school system. And so like, you know, I'm going to guess in that group, things we have names for now, or, you know, I don't say labels, but things we can understand better than we did then is, I mean, there's kids in there with Down syndrome. There's kids in there with what I would guess is ADHD. There are kids in there with oppositional, like oppositional disorder, probably. Maybe some, you know, definitely, probably some kids with dyslexia. And almost definitely some kids on the autism spectrum one way or another. And you know the word we used for that group of all of those different people. And it's an an ugly uh, R word that we used to use for all those people. So, like, whether you're, like, my father and you have bad eyesight and uh, a little bit of dyslexia, or whether you some, you're somebody who is, like, you know, a Kim Peek-level autistic person, you just go in this group that basically means other. Like, on the form of that school, that, that is, you are other. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes you certainly don't want people to live with a label, Right? you know, here's your sign. <laughs> this is you. This is you. You are, you are the autistic person. Please go with the autistic people. Um, you don't want to do that, but it, it is, I think it can be very useful to have a name for that. This, this kid is not stupid. He just can't do letters. There's, there's something to that. This kid, he doesn't like jumping around. He's unhappy. He's like a, he's like an engine that won't stop running. And he's 
looking desperate with the amount of hyperactivity that he can't control. You know what I'm saying? And so just for any of those things, and I'm not saying this is a solved problem, but once you can do that, then you have options. And I feel like the same thing is true for us. So as people, as we walk around with these emotions that we experience, but we don't fully understand or have any kind of distance from, we don't have a box to put it in. And so when you're growing up, I think that, so why am I saying all this? Because I think that relates somewhat to anxiety. Because anxiety in particular, now it's well known and well documented that, again, anxiety is associated with so many different kinds of disorders. So, you know, so we've really kind of taken two big steps. One big step is to say, wow, anxiety is a thing. There are people who have, you know, persistent thoughts. Uh, so, you know, anxiety can go with OCD. Anxiety can very much, believe it or not, spoiler alert, go with depression. Anxiety can go with so many things. It's like when you're watching MSNBC and every drug ad uh, tells you you get headaches, nausea, and diarrhea. It's like everything causes headaches. And anxiety is just one of those things where, like, if you don't know what it is, you feel nuts. And if you do know what it is, at least now you have something like, I don't know if it's a foothold or a box, but it's better than not knowing. You walked around for years. I mean, did you know? I think you've kind of already said here, but you didn't realize, A, how angry you were, B, that it was most of the time, and C, that it was getting directed at other people? Uh, my anger was not most of the time getting directed at other people. It was some of the time directed internally at yourself. It was most of the time directed internally at myself. Mm -hmm. um, it was only it was only a period um, where it was sort of where I didn't know how to manage it. It was just a period where I was interacting with a lot of people. But it was a kind of it started actually during the Western State Hurricanes year, where it it um, maybe maybe started just a little before that. You know, I was working. <laughs> was working hard on uh you know i was trying to become less of an outsider and feel less like the world was um completely unaccessible to me the world that i wanted to live in a world that where i where i belonged and in trying to find a place in the world that i belonged I had to, you know, I started dressing all this stuff. I was going to AA a lot and talking to people a lot about what was happening in me. And, you know, I successfully started a, started a journey where I did. The end result was that I got more in the world or felt more belonging. Hmm. But it, um, but it did require that I say, like, well, wait, now I'm angry and not just depressed. I'm not just um, – this isn't all my fault. Uh, and, you know, and getting through that to the other side, which is there's a lot of stuff that's nobody's fault. But also even when, you know, regardless of what makes you angry, anger is its own – creative and destructive thing to bring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and kind of figuring out but it's also you know and when i say constructive like anger is a thing that you can be harnessed it can create it's not a thing 
to suppress because I'd been doing that. Um, and that wasn't working. It's not mm-hmm. a thing that, that if you are, if you do have anger, if you, if it is destructive, if it is powerful in you and scary in you, you know, you don't just put it back in a box or put a cap on it. Like you have to find a, find a path. Um, yeah. But I didn't, anxiety was a thing that I didn't, like a lot of things that it, it's very hard. It's just like it's hard for people who have never experienced depression to know what other people are talking about. You know, it's the inner voice, outer voice, or the inner voice or lack of inner voice thing. If you're on one side of it, you just can't. It's it's possible, sort of like the inner voice thing, it's possible to live our entire lives and never even consider that fully, I mean, that a huge proportion of the people that you interact with every day are having an utterly different experience. Mm-hmm. And an utterly different experience so much so that like all the literature and film and art that gets made where it is explicitly spoken in that stuff like well my inner voice like i was consulting with myself all this stuff like the whole idea of a narrator and you know really smart like interesting creative people can consume that and never actually but but lacking an inner voice themselves don't um don't make the connection or don't understand what the art is about even um and yet they do right i mean are there it's so interesting and so with anxiety like i didn't i heard people talk about it a lot and i didn't sort of in the same like uh the same way that there are people that have not very much sympathy for depression and who say like, well, the solution seems to be that you get up, get up off your ass and go for a walk or whatever. Right. Like, you know, like go get some sun or get one of those lights. Yeah. Take a nap. Meditate. Take a nap. Right. Wrap a hot um, towel around your head. Get some soup. With, with anxiety, when people would describe anxiety, I, I kind of had a, um, I, you know, I, I didn't know how to be sympathetic. I was like, well, huh, that seems like something that you should just fucking man up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when have, I started, have you tried not being anxious? <laughs> right. Have you tried not procrastinating? Why do you procrastinate? Have you tried? Why don't you, why don't you just stop procrastinating? That's a really good question. I don't know. Do you, when I, is there? Do you have a button that I could push? Yeah. Maybe I'm something sure. make it nice and easy for me. I uh, I, uh, what what made Aloha so important last year was that there was no denying that I was having a new experience a new a a whole new emotional world and an an unpleasant one um where where i for the first time felt something that could only be described as anxious and felt panic in a way that i had never felt and felt panic what would what would what would uh what would provoke it or was it like, like in my case, like I always have sort of just a baseline baseline sort of buzzing, humming, persistent feeling of that. I'm, I'm searching, I'm kind of uh, scanning the horizon for 
uh, threats, even when there's no reason to think that there's a threat there. And for and for me, and I think a lot of other people, it, it's it comes. It also comes. It's important at this juncture to also say there's a difference between fear, fear and anxiety. Fear to me is when you are your experience. Fear is what you experience or should experience when there is a threat or an imminent threat that is a you know. If you, if you, I mean, if you, it doesn't just have to be a lion running at you or a tiger running at you. It could just be the sound or seeing them that triggers that. Like if you're, even if you're not afraid of snakes, it's going to be re- real startling if you step on a snake while you're out on a hike. Mm. Anxiety to contrast is, it's not the same as fear. It's because uh, anxiety is in search of what to be fearful of even in the absence of evidence that there's anything to fear. And I think the thing that makes anxiety, and this sounds like real kid stuff if, you are, if you're familiar with this, but to, to just explain this to neurotypical people, the anxiety part is the, it's just, to me, it's just, it just is almost always there and almost always affecting something about how I'm thinking and doing. And it's, it's that persistence. Everybody gets scared sometimes. Everybody poops. Everybody gets scared. But what everybody doesn't necessarily have is this thrumming, like this constant buzz of like, oh, there's so many things uh, going on and it's going to get me and this will be my undoing. And that, but that's, I know everybody gets those moments, but it's like having that all the time is just not fun and it affects everything. Yeah, for me, it, um, it's connected to um, denial of breath. Um, you know, I'm claustrophobic or whatever. At some point along the way, um, uh, the first time I think I ever had a panic attack, it was on an airplane, which is, I think, pretty normal for other people. For for people, <laughs> it's a far too full long face. It really is, but I, you know, I I grew up on airplanes, so it was never a place that I ever felt uncomfortable. And one time, I got put in the back row on one of those mm-hmm. Lufthansa, um, like super super cow jets, where it's like three row three. Oh, and it's like, it's like, it's like sitting in the back seat where like, you've got a frame now you can see like that you really are in a tube. Well, that, and also there are 600 people and there's not a single empty seat and I'm in the very back and the, and the girl next to me is coming down off of meth and I'm at the start of an 11 hour flight over an ocean and we were still on the ground and it was the first time I'd ever had this experience, but I was on the, you know, I, I sat down and I was sitting and waiting through the whole like, okay, we're taxing out. We're okay. We're, we're held up at the end of the runway. It'll be just another minute and all this stuff. And I suddenly had this feeling of like, I can't be on this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah. This is completely inhumane. Like I can't, I can't be in here for 11 hours. No way. And we, and we haven't even taken off yet. We're not off the ground. And I'm we, haven't, like, we haven't started moving. Are we ever going to move? Your, your mind just starts racing. And it's, again, it's difficult to explain, I think, to somebody, because every, everybody gets annoyed, everybody gets inconvenienced. We all know all those experiences. But, you know, it's, 
you know, like there are some people have phobias, like, you know, there are people have phobias of, like I say, snakes or spiders or, you know, uh, just even being around tall buildings. And it's, it's, it's so, I'm really sympathetic to that because I understand what it's like to be scared of something that isn't there or isn't there yet or could happen. And once you get thinking about that, it's hard to stop thinking about that. And you get like a dog with a bone. And so like you could have dozens of really just fine flights where everything goes pretty well. But then, then when you start thinking, that's when the trouble starts. And cause yeah, then I, it's, cause you're thinking about like, holy shit, how does this fucking thing work? How are we even like, I don't even, I don't like to think about this. We've all been on those flights where you get those dips and you feel like you're falling and free fall even for like a few seconds. And you're like, holy shit, how does, how does this thing stay in the air? Who are these people? What are they doing? It's when you start thinking about it, it can be very overwhelming, all the different angles. And then for me anyway, that turns into a feeding frenzy where without my consent, my brain goes crazy trying to figure out the worst things that could happen, uh, even if they're very unlikely. And that causes, um, what was the wonderful word I learned for this? Like a worry chain. I think of it almost like you, you start out in the middle of the spider web and it just keeps getting bigger. You know what I'm talking about? Like your brain just goes, you, your brain will start making, especially a creative person's mind, you will make the craziest non-existent connections about something that has not happened. And you, for me anyway, I could just, I could do that all day. And if it starts down a path and now I'm thinking, oh my God, what if I have to pee? Or what do I, what if I have to poop? Or what if I have to throw up? Or what if I forgot something? And then those worries just chain for me so hard. Do you, do you get things like that? Or do you, do you like, you, you focus on one uh, primary anxiety? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I never had that experience and then I started and it, it was, um, it was unpleasant. And last year I just tried to, I couldn't live like it. I couldn't live like that. Um, and I didn't know what could be done about it. I still feel like it's, um, ha having had it, I still feel like it's present all the time. Like a, um, it's really unlike anything else I've experienced, uh, but but that I was inoculated in it, uh, but not inoculated, uh, not in the sense that now I'm free of it, but sort of like Lyme disease, like I always carry the antibodies from here on out, mm. and it's accessible to me. I if I if I sat here and got thinking, um, I could pursue it until I was in it. But I can also, I mean, since last year and since I tried to, um, since, since I went through that process that I described as aloha or seeking it, um, you know, things, things improved in my life. My business stuff improved. My um, health improved, and I've I've been able, at least in the last nine months, to somewhat keep it at bay, or to keep it at bay, mm -hmm. but but never to um, never to be free of it. 
and I don't, I can't imagine being free of it, having, having had it. But, but one of the things that, that really, really, um, is right on the razor's edge of it is snorkeling. And last year, over the last three, you know, I love snorkeling. It's super fun. It's super, you get to fly, you get to see fun things. It's a way to be in the ocean. But I'm not a super strong swimmer. And, you know, the ocean has always been pretty scary to me. I don't like to go too far out. Um, I don't feel, it's not an environment where I feel super comfortable. And when you're in Hawaii, of course, you see young people who grew up in the ocean and yeah, it's just a, a very different experience. But I, but at the same time, I love the ocean. I've always been really attracted to it. I like to live close to it. I like to go in it when I can. But I like to stay in water that's about neck high. You know, I like to go out mm-hmm. and find my place and stand there. And I'll stand there for hours, submerged. But I don't, it's just a set of skills I don't have. I can't. I can't swim all afternoon. Um, and so snorkeling puts me in this environment where all of a sudden I do have a lot more control. I am able to survive. Snorkeling, snorkeling, just to be clear here, I get confused about this. Uh, I'm very uncoordinated in certain ways. It took me a very long time to learn how to swim and in that way where you, um, it takes a lot of coordination to get started with that. I will keep swimming and every N strokes, I will turn my head exactly 90 degrees, take a breath. And you know what I mean? There's that kind of coordination. And I, I had the same problem with snorkeling. With snorkeling, do you, you, you plug up your nose, right? To, and it, what are snorkeling? You, uh, you got you, the tube, the tube's above the water and you're mostly... You're, you're breathing in and out through the snorkel. Is that correct? Yeah. You have a mask where you can see. So mm-hmm. you, you're wearing eye mask. And you hope that you get a, a seal on the eye mask so the eye mask doesn't fill up with water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a source of potential disaster, right? If your eye mask is leaking, your eye mask can also fog. So that's a potential problem. And then you're breathing through a tube, and the tube is high enough that it's out of the water the vast majority of the time, but not all the time. Because so you might you might go swimming down ten feet or whatever. You can, you can hold your breath and swim down, but also you can just be minding your own business, and a wave washes over you, and that's when all of a sudden you can't breathe, and it's a surprise. Mm. And then you're this, also this sounds like a like a four quadrant bad idea for you. Well, not a bad idea because the <clears throat> because the benefits are so extraordinary. I mean, you're all of a sudden you're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. In my case, in my case, I don't feel like I'm very buoyant, and so when I'm in Boy, the ocean, I envy like, that. I envy buoyancy. My late mother-in-law, she could float anywhere forever. Little skinny, little skinny, like five foot two. Smoking, drinking lady, and she just gets in the water and just, she doesn't need anything. She just floats. I don't understand buoyancy and I don't know why I don't have it. Maybe it's sin. I wish that I could, but when I have a snorkel on, I can because mm-hmm. you're fit. You don't, whatever, you know, the, my lack of buoyancy is a 15% lack. Mm. 
um, and people that can float with their head above water seem like people seem like that is the 10% that I don't have because I float with my eyes above water, but my nose. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I don't understand how some people like, like, uh, like Polly were able, are able to like be just flat as a board. What do they call it? Planking? Like she's just flat on the me. I'm, I, first of all, I'm trying to hold off the impulse to just leave. Uh, and if, if I can get over the impulse to just leave, then I'm thinking a lot about treading water. I'm pretty good at treading water. But if I try to float, I'm at like a 45 degree angle. I look like, I look like something from drafting class. I don't, I don't know. My feet just go down. Anyways, so you're snorkeling. Sorry. I I took you off your topic. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the nice, the nice thing about snorkeling is that I do float. I just, I just float. It's, but I'm breathing through it too. They told us and, in swim class that one way to help floating uh, is to take in a large breath. I don't know if this is true. Supposedly, supposedly, if you take in a large breath, that's going to fill up your lungs, and like a balloon or a child's water wings, you will gain extra buoyancy. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. But breathing through a tube, you're not. It's you're breathing in and out. You're breathing at a, hopefully at a natural mm-hmm. rate. Um, the the problem is that you're that for me at least the the ever present threat of any one of those systems and they're not very elaborate Mm-mm. systems it's Mm-mm. just a goggle um, but the threat of those basically three systems is the goggle fogged is the goggle <laughs> letting in water and is the tube allowing you to breathe um, it's uh, it's a threat that that the at least to me um, is an immediate threat of drowning, <laughs> which is a terrible is a terrible feeling mm-hmm. because if my goggle even fogs and I stop and lift my head above the water to try and unfog the goggle, then all of a sudden I'm not floating, then I'm thrashing, mm-hmm. and then I'm sinking. You know. And last year, I, <clears throat> because I was, because I had had panic attacks and I was already, so I had become aware of it. You know, I'd become conscious of the fact that panic was not just a thing that I, that happened anymore connected directly to drowning. It now was a feeling I was drowning that I could get if I was just sitting alone in my bedroom. And then to put myself in a posture where I was actually going to take that new feeling of drowning on a bus and actually put myself back in an environment where drowning was real. Um, I was just, uh, it was, it was a transformative confrontation, uh, between me and fear. And so, so I insisted that I go down every day and get in the water and snorkel um, because I didn't want to be mastered by mm-hmm. this, whatever it was. Interesting. So you, you decided to, to face it head on, walk right into it. Because I wanted to snorkel. I wanted to see the turtles. I wanted to 
have this be a positive and not, I did not want to come to Hawaii and have snorkeling be a thing that was just over the horizon as a, as a thing that was taunting me, a thing, you know, like a, like a demon. I didn't want Hawaii to have a, to have that demon in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, that when I thought of Hawaii, I thought of that demon. When I when when I was here, it was omnipresent. And there's a new kind of snorkel mask, hmm. which is a full face mask. It what hooks under your chin and it like goes. You above look like your, you're an alien. You look like you. Yeah, you have like an a, alien it, mask. From the movie Alien. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of like when they're gonna go um, check out the uh, planet or whatever, right? And they land, and they they discover some things inside. John Hurt has a situation, and they they break his pretty scuba mask. It's I would very, love that. It's very similar, hmm. but it, it and and you have you have an incredible unobstructed view, but also what you get is the ability to breathe through your nose. Hmm. Because you're inside of a whole face. Look at a so full can, face snorkel mask. You can breathe through in <gasps> through your nose and out through your mouth. Oh my god! Breathe in through your mouth and out through your nose. And for whatever, however, uh, however this technology works, at least in my experience, they never fog. I've never had one fog. Huh. So all of a sudden. These so two factors have changed. The fogging is gone, and also now I can breathe freely, rather wow. than have my nose plugged, rather than breathing through a tube. I can just. This breathe. seems like a genuinely innovative idea. It is within snorkeling communities, mm. at least. It is regarded in the, as, like in the scene. In the scene, mm-hmm. it is regarded as some chicken shit. Mm. Um, you know, thing for moms. Oh, I hate to fall out with them. Well, you know, because they're out there and snorkelers. Mm-hmm. Locals that only. Part- that's right. Mm-hmm. And those uh, and and anybody that's like into snorkeling, a big part of it for them seems to be that they can dive down twenty feet. They can hold their breath and dive down twenty feet. I guess to look at a sea urchin more closely. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the idea of holding my breath and diving down 20 feet doesn't, I'm just like, I can see everything pretty good from up here. And what I can't see from up here doesn't mm-hmm. want to be seen. Well, I'm, good. I, from, I'm good. You know? <laughs> so, so I embraced this <clears throat> face mask. Now it's not without its, you know, it can also leak it. Well, I haven't looked yet, but uh, when I Googled for a uh, full face snorkel mask, uh, full, full, full face uh, snorkel mask dangers came mm. up. Well, and I don't want to That might be FUD from the uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That might be FUD from the hardcore snorkel community, the yeah, lifestyle I, snorkelers. I, I, I'm not interested in what's wrong with snorkeling or what's wrong with those face masks. I, I, I have a pretty good sense of what's right and wrong about them for me. And one of the things They're I have to sexy, do... They're kind of sexy in an upsetting way. One of the things I have to do is shave my beard because oh, I Oh, that's why Hitler uh, cut off his mustache. Well, that's why Hitler got that particular mustache. He used to have a, a, a big, dignified mustache, but he cut it off so that he could wear a gas mask. Really? Oh, according to a documentary I saw. I mean, that and five bucks will get you a cup of coffee. 
Well, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, Same I, deal. I, I don't like to shave my beard, but I have to if I'm going to use this mask, and I want to use this mask. Yeah. And it, it's not, it does not, its relationship to panic isn't, um, it's not as clear as it might seem. Like the the full face mask is just, what would I say, 10 or 15% better. It's It mm. does not, it's not like all of a sudden there's no panic involved. Like, it's not that at all. It's just that it's slightly easier for me to breathe. And that is... Does, does it help take the edge uh, makes, off, sort of? It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But still, every day I had to go down <clears throat> and walk into that water. And I was snorkeling alone, which who knows whether that's... But I'm sure there are people that that think that that's a bad plan. Mm, but because you're supposed me, to have a buddy? I think so. But for mm-hmm. me, having a buddy is... It, no, it kind of like it kind of scotches the whole effort. No, Doesn't it, it doubles my stress. Oh, interesting. I feel responsible for mm. the other person's safety, and in and part of that is that I recognize I can't save them. Mm-hmm. Okay, like <clears throat> I'm barely hanging on, mm-hmm. and if they had a problem, yeah, yeah, and so you know, and that begins a cycle of like of thinking where it's like this person, you know, I just wish that they would go away and mm-hmm. they, if they went away, then they would probably be fine. And if they were fine somewhere else, then I would be fine where I am. Right. It's like the, like there's, I do not feel any companionship with someone else snorkeling. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to look at the fishes. Mm-hmm. But by the end of last year, I'd, I'd gotten to a place where I went down every day. I went in the water and I snorkeled and I watched the turtles and I realized the turtles didn't have anxiety. Probably the turtles were just, you know, and I had all these different turtles were just uh, turtling. They were just turtling around and Mm -hmm. the fish were, the fish were fishing. Fish are fishing. Mm -hmm. So this year I've been doing it. I've been going down every day. I've been trying to get out there and, and snorkel around and, I don't feel as proximate to panic this year. It feels like feels like I have it at one remove. Um, and but of course, you know, as soon as I'm out in the water, I just feel that sense of you know, danger all around me. But it doesn't. Can, it, does it does it lessen over time? Dumb question, maybe. But like, does the does having survived that so many days? help at all it helps it it helps but you know yesterday i was out snorkeling and it was and the wind picked up and i was getting buffeted by waves and you know i popped my head up and i was way way out along a along a reef and you know it's the way way outness all these things add to it, right? When my face is down and I'm looking at this wonderful undersea environment and I'm and I realize that the sea is thirty feet deep or forty feet deep or fifty feet deep, for me, the difference between that and fifteen feet, that doesn't inspire very much fear because I can just as easily drown in fifteen feet as I can <laughs> in fifty. Only takes it, only takes an inch and a half of water. All it takes. Right. Don't put don't, don't put your baby in a bucket. That's not just day one shit. Don't put the baby in the bucket. Day one. Don't put the baby in the bucket. Mm -hmm. But but to pop my head up and realize that I'm 
a mile from the shore or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Three quarters of a mile from the shore. That's where I get uh, freaked out. And one time years ago, years ago, I was in Greece and I was swimming and there was a sort of, you know, a big rock outcropping. I, I think I've told you this story. And I went swimming and I said, oh, I know there's a beach on the other side and I'm just going to swim around this big rock to the beach on the other side. And I was young enough, 25 or whatever, that I felt like, oh, I'm bold and strong and what can what can hurt me? And I got out on the other side of this rock and it was a lot further than I thought. And the rock had a sheer side. So there wasn't any place for me to rest. Mm -hmm. I couldn't grab on to the rock and waves were pummeling the rock. So I had to stay away because otherwise I, you know, if I got swept against the rock, I would get, you know, I would got, would have gotten beat to shit. Mm -hmm. And so I had to stay away from this rock. And all of a sudden I'm out in the sea, Mm -hmm. basically swimming with no end in sight can't see the other beach it's all the way around this rock and it's one of those situations sort of a false horizon thing where i would come around a corner and think the beach is going to be there and then it was just more rock Mm. and this is a big 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 rock you know and uh so anyway yesterday i was getting buffeted and all of a sudden i'm in this i'm in this situation where i'm getting you know i'm going up and down in troughs of waves and and I definitely turned around and was like, you need to just breathe mm-hmm. and we need to just methodically start paddling for shore. And, you know, and each time I lifted up my head, it felt like I was making no progress. And that was, a, and I would put my face down and go, <clears throat> only lift your head to see that you're headed in the right direction. Otherwise, you just need to breathe and just methodically paddle for shore. Mm, and in doing that, yeah, in, in doing it, I, I never panicked, but panic was my... It's always little, an option. <laughs> it was my little helpful friend, right? That mm. was just like right there swimming alongside me going... Like, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. And basically saying, like, all, all it's going to take is one more thing to go wrong. Oh, you're on the, you're on, you're like right on the edge of so many of the systems, yeah, including your right. own body's ability. I mean, my first thought would be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get too tired and I will die here. I will exactly. sink. I will sink between my scylla and charybdis. I will drop, I will drop down. And now I live with the turtles forever. Well, and, and, you know, and the voice that would come in is like, Okay, stop paddling altogether and realize that you can just float here and breathe. So if you stopped paddling for whatever reason, you could still breathe. Mm-hmm. And, mm. you know, but then, of course, the voice is like, well, what if you can't, you know, what if the thing falls? What if a fucking... <laughs> Thanks, what vo- if a, Thanks, voice. <laughs> what, if, what if a sea lion grabs your mask, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you know, every day there is... You know, I try to put myself just out to where the challenge is real and yet, you know, not exceed. And of course, it's, you know, of course, it's the same problem I have anymore with anything I do, which is I keep thinking that my borders are somewhere back where I was, where they were when I was 25, right? Like when I get on. 
Well, like, like your like your abilities and like what yeah. you could count, what you could. Yeah, I mean, like I as I as I lose more and more bodily integrity, I realize things like uh, I need to use things like bags when I carry <laughs> things because I need my arms for things like railings and steadying myself. I I don't just I don't just jump up and down things anymore because like I don't I don't want to know where that border is. I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I guess it would be advisable for me to learn, but my border is, mm-mm, nope, nope, you don't want to do that. Don't, don't, don't be cute about this. You're going to have to put well, this on a form in an emergency room and that's no good. You know, the challenge for me is that I can still ski as fast as I could when I was 25. The With question your knees? is, yeah, hmm. I'm, I'm a good skier. Hmm. The question is, can you survive a wreck at that speed <laughs> yeah at, you, you, at tw- <laughs> you're gonna get sunny bono <laughs> at 25 or at 19 yeah. i could wreck i oh, could yeah. i could wreck at 45 miles an hour and it would be a it would be a yard sale i would tumble <laughs> end over end yard and i would sale. be i would be fucking whacked yeah but i would pick myself up i mean i broke like, a ski I one time in a kids wreck. on their skateboards Going down, you know, I live on that hill. And here's and they'll do this thing where they're kind of like tacking to slow down. And yeah. I'm like, you're going to, I mean, like, of course, I'm 53. And I'm just like, you are going to go ass over tea kettle. And your mom's going to have to put so much of that, uh, what, mercurochrome or whatever. That's my thought. It's like, you're going to be so, what is it called, road rash? You're going to be shredded yeah. if you don't get a concussion. If you, I'm just saying, I, I man, no, thank you. I'm uh, I'm about tough enough to ride a Segway, and that's it. But the thing about, um, you know, the thing about that crash is, you, I mean, you don't you don't go into anything assuming you're going to crash, mm-hmm. and the experience of skiing is still great. And uh, yeah, the thing is, I don't it looks know. looks so fun. It looks so fun. Uh, it would be so fun to be good at that. It's like watch, watch people play piano. You're like, oh, fuck, man. I want to be like that. I don't, I don't want, I don't even have the ability, I don't think, to go to, to ski at a speed that is appropriate. And so whenever I'm up there, I'm just, I find myself each time like, oh, shit. Oh shit. Like I don't I'm not even sure I have the strength to stop myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not presently in danger, but I need to figure I need to gradually check my speed because you know in the old days I would just set myself sideways to the hill and create a rooster tail of snow three stories tall and wow. you know I could, that is I so could baller. S- stop from whatever, you know, unless I crashed. But at at you know, at fifty one, I would turn myself sideways like that, and I would shatter like a like a tray of ice cubes going down a slide. <laughs> and so, so, but, but, so that's true of all my limits. I noticed that that's true. That's true of my driving. That's true of my just my experience of the world. Like, I I don't jump off of retaining walls anymore because because I've had a bad knee for a long time. But I still go into situations where it's like, well, if these people want to fight, I'll fight them. And <laughs> that's not a good way to go through a dark, you know, to like walk through an alley or whatever. That's not a good mentality. Well, it's like it's um, like people who run run red lights or stop signs 
where it's like, you know, or bikes, you know, blazing through stop signs. It's like, you're going to be fine as long as everybody else is, is good with it. But like, if you do that long enough, some's going to, you're doing a fucked up thing. And someday yeah. that's going to hurt, hurt you and probably others. So I don't want to push my, I mean, I've caught myself a couple of times, um, realizing like, Oh, wait a minute. This, I have crossed over into what I think you could describe as, um, semi advanced snorkeling. Hmm. And, hmm. You know, like advanced snorkeling. Would is you say you're at least an intermediate? Else. Would you say you're an intermediate snorkeler? Well, that's the that's the danger mm -hmm. because for me to say I'm an intermediate snorkeler is to immediately be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no, I am I am a beginning snorkeler. I am always going to be a beginning snorkeler. Do not ever hmm. get confidence. Um. And that's not to say, like, don't keep pushing my, you know, my ability, mm -hmm. but don't ever look at a situation and go, mm, this feels sketchy, but you know, I am an intermediate snorkeler. <laughs> In every, Cowabunga! Every situation, that if I look at it and go, this seems sketchy, I need to, I need to turn around. Or, you know, like, I need to not, mm -hmm. um, I need to not die in the process of trying to confront my anxieties about dying. And, you know, this year it's been harder because of something really small, which is just, it's been a lot harder for me to unplug from my dumb phone. Oh, um, of course. Mm -hmm. Which is just, you know, it just intrudes and it, and I recognize it as intruding on my life normally, but it it just it's it, it stands in such bold contrast to what I try to do in Hawaii, which is mm -hmm. which is aloha. Um, there's just nothing about a phone that is aloha, and. So hmm. I'm, you know, so I'm reaching, you know, couldn't, I'm this, reaching couldn't your it. phone be a little bit like the cigarette on, uh, on top of the door? We're like, not, I mean, like where you, it isn't that you're going to like try and, but yeah, I mean, classic John Roderick, John Roderick classic would be somebody who says, well, you know, part of this is to test myself or part of this is to like, see, like I can have the cigarette here and not smoke it. Well, but is, the thing th about, the thing about that is that the cigarette above the door after you've quit smoking Mm. is very different from mm. the cigarette above the door while you're still a smoker. Mm -hmm. What the cigarette above the door when you're still a smoker is, is a cigarette <laughs> that is there for you above the door when you've run out of cigarettes. Uh, yeah. And so I have to, you know, I have to finally, and I, the thing is, I, it's just like carbs or anything else. You know, you think like, I feel so amazing without carbs. I'm never going to eat them again. And so for that reason alone, I can have a big plate of spaghetti on New Year's Eve mm -hmm. because it's New Year's Eve. And, oh, you yeah, know. it's a treat. I owe it to myself. Right. And that's how, that's how I quit smoking and started smoking again nine times before I finally quit. And the thing that finally, when I finally quit, it was like when I finally quit drugs. There's no one cigarette on New Year's Eve. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and I don't know yeah. how to do th- I don't know how to do that with the with the internet and with the yeah, ki- the other part the is and I, I realize this sounds like an excuse like I I give people stick when they say things like, Oh, I have to use Facebook for my work, or it's the only way to get to my homeowners association. I got to use Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. And I was like, what is it going to fucking, everybody's got, my family would kill me if I got off Facebook. And like, I don't mean to sound as judgy as I am. I wish I could sound less judgy, even though I am extremely judgy, but you've got to be fucking kidding me. You're what are you, what are you doing on there? And then, but everybody's got their reasons. And so, in that same spirit, I I want to push back at this feeling that I have, but it is a real feeling, and as we know, feelings are real. And that feeling is, there's still so much shit you have to do on a device in life. It's On the one hand, it's pretty cool that so much of life has moved into our pocket computer. On the other hand, uh, it's, I've, believe me, I've gone through, I'm not saying I'm a tortured individual, but I have, for a long time I would do stuff like, say, I'm not going to look at my phone on Sunday, until like noon or one. And like, so like, but bad on me, like I need that sometimes to like Siri ain't there yet. The lady in the Amazon tube ain't totally there yet. You can't, it's close, but like there's still stuff you're going to need. And in my case, it's also my ubiquitous capture device. It's where I write down stuff that I want to do something about later. And it's like that. I think I, I know that sounds like an excuse and I will cop to the fact that that might be an excuse, but that's the other thing. It's difficult to just go into airplane mode or shut the thing all the way, all the way off. And then confidently know I will not need to touch this for eight hours. That can be difficult. That's part of what leads us into disappearing into the phone is I just need to go look at this one thing. What time does this place open? Yeah. And that's the, I mean, I, I was saying the other day, why isn't there a device that just accesses, Google and Maps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a device that only accesses those two things. And I think that with that device, like even one that doesn't do texting and emails. Um, right. I think over time, people have tried making these kind of simplified phones or it's, it's almost like the way and it's like an old lady phone that only well that exactly really i don't want to sound disparaging text. or ageist but yes it's very similar to like the giant remote control the hilariously large remote control you can buy at walgreens um you know where you'll see like lots of people who buy remotes for their elderly relatives will like it's cu- it's festooned with tape and labels like never push this this is volume <laughs> and i think people have tried that but i mean you know for me like w- there are things where there's no excuse like I should be able to just shut my lights off with a switch like everybody else, but I do prefer to do things um, with my smart home automation. But no, even on vacation or even on just a regular old trip, there's all this stuff. Anyway, I took you off your thing. That's So what you're saying now is that is your um, bet noir now is the omnipresence of the phone. Uh, The omnipresence of the phone is just... uh it's just a a concentrating lens hmm. that shows me that I'm not in charge of myself. You know, I'm not in control of myself because it feels like I'm not choosing this, even though I am. Mm-hmm. Like I woke up this morning and said, because the phone for me is not, it's not all about connectivity. It's about, um, 
I, I think I told you way, way back in the old days, long time before, I think before, oh, a long time before you and I even met, when I first discovered Minesweeper on mm-hmm. the old IBMs. And anytime the phone rang, it was like, um, it was like lighting a cigarette when the phone rang, my dad's old thing. I would go, if I had a long phone conversation to have with somebody, a long interview or conversation I knew was going to go a long time, I would go sit at Minesweeper and with the phone cradled between my shoulder and my ear, would sit and play Minesweeper while I talked. And it felt like a thing that was occupying a certain part of my mind Mm -hmm. so that I could talk. This is huge for people with ADHD. Is like people, you know, whether that's things you're fiddling with on your desk, but sometimes in order to focus, you need something that will occupy some monkey part of your brain. And you can actually, you can actually function better in some cases with the proper kind of pseudo distraction that I I feel like. I mean, again, that could be an excuse, but I, I really believe that's true. Some people like, you know, listening to certain kinds of music when they're writing or something like that. Same idea. Is like I, I need this one part of my brain to get a babysitter for a while so that I can uh, go out and have an adult evening with, my, in, with in, my brain. In my uh, uh, one of the things I do is play these mindless little stacking games, you know, solitaire or the one with the gems that explode or the or threes, you know, these things that are <laughs> just they're just mindless. Um, but like if I have to be somewhere at 2 p.m. and it's one o'clock and my conscious brain says <laughs> it takes 45 minutes to get there. But you this also, goes back to the very first episode of this show about how the roads do not accommodate you. The drivers are in your way. <laughs> They are and, <laughs> because but, because and it's because you didn't leave early enough. <laughs> but also, you know, there's 15 minutes to find parking, and then you have to walk from parking to where you're going. Oh, and welcome you have to, take to the my elevator. welcome to my life and brain is driving everybody around me crazy with all of the project management of why we need to do things earlier and, and faster than anybody thinks, and it drives everybody around me crazy. But what I do in that moment is open threes, <laughs> and I don't know why. It does not feel like I'm in so you, control. So you, you, you've accepted that you will be late. Well, no, I think I'll just play a game of threes and then I'll go. And then I'm why then do you I play think a second game of threes. Why, do you, why, why would you think that? When I woke up this morning, it was you know Monday morning at 7.30, and I knew I was going to talk to you at 8. And rather than get out of bed and make a pot of coffee... The first thing I did, my eyes still straining to see, you know, still like, (laughs) I opened up my phone and started playing threes. And it's a thing, I don't know what it's doing. It feels like a thing that I need to do in order to... It is like a cigarette in that sense. Make it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't know why. And, and so many times I show up to a thing 15 minutes late and, and I played threes back at home for precisely the 15 minutes that, it would, that I would have needed to be here on time. Right. And I didn't play threes for any other reason. It's not like I'd already been playing it for an hour. Like I turn it on and do it I don't, to, to do something to my brain. Mm-hmm. 
but not something that it feels um, not wholesome. I, it's not wholesome. Mm. And what could be unwholesome about something so dumb as mm-hmm. threes or solitaire? It's not perverse. It's not. It's, well, you know, like people say, you know, when we talk about uh, things along the lines of the president, but it goes for lots of things. There, it's not. For example, it's not. Um, it's not illegal for anybody to own a shredder and shred stuff. It is illegal to use that to shred stuff that could be used as evidence in a prosecution of you. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit evasive to say, well, oh yeah, you know, um, and, and I don't think you can say that everybody who owns a shredder is, is a criminal, but like, it's what, what is this in service of? Like when I do this thing, why, why am I doing this? And that's why I love that word wholesome. It, it's so useful to me. Like the, the unwholesomeness of that is that insert almost anything else. Like if you ate a piece of bologna every time you picked up your phone, if you, I mean, if you uh, jerked it so right every time you turn on it, no matter what it is, it's that you are not, you are not driving that bus anymore. When now the phone is driving the bus, the, the bus belongs to the phone now. Yeah, and that that um, is an expression of s- something. Oh, for sure, it, it's for I sure. Is. I haven't given a name, and I am not in charge of, and it causes me real grief. Mm-hmm. And it's grief I would like to not have in my life. And so, you know, all of that is ongoing. And when I sit here and think, um, aloha is what I'm after. Mm-hmm. And I go, but before I get to aloha, why don't I just play this video game for an hour? <laughs> and there are people waiting on me. There are beaches to explore. There's, um, you know, I'm here for a reason. Right, like I didn't come to Hawaii to to do this, and and while I'm at it, I would rather not do this at home either. <laughs> and oh, so, I, 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 but I mean, it, it. Part of it is it's um, uh, I want to say I don't want to say exactly mindless, but it is. It does feel it driverless. Is, it's a it little bit mindless. So here's one mindless. for me. Yeah. I'm a big fan of a of a service and an app called Instapaper. It was originally made by our friend Marco Arment. And that yep. is the way that I choose to bookmark something and send. So I'm looking, I'm reading something on the New York Times. And I know I don't have time to read it now. I want to read it later. I hit a little bookmarklet and it sends it to Instapaper. And then I usually don't read it. But if I do read it, I'll go in sometimes and I'll be like, uh, I'm getting ready to take my nap I like to take. And I'm, I'm laying on the office couch here and I'll go through Instapaper and I'll start reading something. Um, and maybe that you think, tagged a long time ago. Well, or that I tagged like 20 minutes ago, even. And and can can you guess what happens? I start reading it and I think, oh, I don't have time to read this now. I'll read it later. And I go to send it to Instapaper, even though I am currently (laughs) reading it in Instapaper. If that does not tell you everything you need to know about me, I don't know what does. Yeah, that's that's really fuck. That's really fucking stupid. I mean, it's one thing to like touch your Mac screen because you're so used to iOS devices. I think that can don't touch your monitor, at least marks. But still. That, that you go, oh, that's just habituation. You know, uh, in, the, in the horrible days where I had to use a PC, uh, when I first met you, remember I used to have a PC on that uh, sure big piece of plywood? Oh, um, yeah. 
and when I was doing Cold Fusion on that, and and that was that fucked my shit up because I've been using a Mac for years. You were mining bitcoins. I was mining bitcoins with Cold Fusion. See, that's it was a Bitcoin that uh, cryptocurrency that CFM. And so, um, what would happen was though, I, I, I had never used anything but a Mac from mm. 1987 to 2000. That would be around 2001 or two at least. And then by spending a third of my time or so on the PC, I was completely fucking up on the Mac and the PC. Cause <laughs> like my hands didn't know what to do. And I, I have to like sort of like context shift. And remember, oh, the meta key is this on a PC. Oh, yeah. But, that, but it's not, un- so what I'm trying to say is it's not weird to me that I sucked at using a PC because I was new to a PC. What was crazy to me was even as I continued to suck on a PC, I got less good at using a Mac. You know, I was chasing two rabbits. Chasing two rabbits. You know that phrase? No. Oh, it's a good one. Um, I think Makes it's originally, me, people say variously that it's Chinese, Russian. I think it's originally French. Uh, one, uh, if you chase two rabbits, you'll lose them both. Yeah. Think about that, John. Isn't that pretty good? I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. It happened to me yesterday. It, uh, it happened to me yesterday again with the carrying and the age. And I tried to do the thing. This is a very reconcilable differences topic. Forgive me. I tried to do the thing where I moved through what I call the kill zone, which is that very narrow area. You know, when you come in our front door and you go up the steps and it's like yeah. you're in this, you're like, uh, you're like in a temple grand in slaughterhouse. Like it's real narrow. I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm a sad cow. So I got to get the door open. Remember the door wants to kill you. The door is trying to close all the time. I'm carrying the most precarious collection of things. Right, you know it's so amazing to watch somebody juggle and they'll do like a bowling ball and a chainsaw. Craziest part of that is the difference in weight. So I'm carrying a heavy box, two light envelopes, a couple things of seltzer, and then I got some kind of precarious uh, other handheld things on top, trying to get through the door, get through the kill zone. Even at John, even as I'm opening the door and walking in, I'm going. I, I say to myself, I'm going to fuck this up. Mm. And you know what I got? Yard sale. Mm. Yard sale. yard sale stuff rolling down the steps right down the steps total yard sale because i chased five rabbits fucking yeah. dumbass yeah that's what i'm trying to avoid at every turn but uh but and and you know and i think aloha remains the secret it did it did me such a job last year you know what you know what aloha saved me what aloha saved me on the joko cruise Oh, really? The Joko Cruise, the Joko which Cruise is tra- you almost didn't go on? The Joko Cruise I almost didn't go on. Mm-hmm. Because the Joko reasons. Cruise had become a source of tremendous anti-aloha. Mm-hmm. And I walked on that ship, you know, fresh off of aloha-ness. And everything that happened that would have formerly sent me, I just said, like, Aloha. Aloha, you said. And it was tremendous. Um, I came off the boat rested mm-hmm. and mentally well and had not fallen prey to any of the the bumps and bruises. Hmm. And it was noticeable, you know. I think it I think Paul Saborn noticed it. And I um, and I brought I brought Aloha rather than than bringing. You brought it, it was brought, not sought. No, I wasn't. I wasn't seeking it then. Because this was, is, I want to just revisit one thing. I believe I gleaned from last year. You tell me if this, if I got this right, 
that there is a, a somewhat paradoxical thing here where like if you try too hard to aloha, you get the opposite of aloha. That's right. You cannot look for a turtle. Don't think of an elephant. Don't think of an elephant. If mm -hmm. you if you are in the water yes. and you are looking for a turtle, mm -hmm. you will not see a turtle. You if you're looking for be, a turtle, you won't see a turtle. A turtle has to appear or just come to you. you. You have to just be looking. Just be looking. Just be there. Just be there. Be present. Just be, and I'm not saying you have to be looking like looking for something. You just have to be in a state of looking. Mm. Where's your phone while you're doing this? Oh, you can't take your phone snorkeling. Mm -hmm. Or if you can, it would require that you go to the store and buy a You can't go swimming in a case. watermelon patch. Hmm. You know, you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Pull on Superman's hmm. cape. Leave your phone on dry land. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Can I tease something for next time? Yes. Because we got to go. You said something on your Twitter that I really liked. And uh, I want to know if this is a topic that we can address because I think it's very important. You were talking about, I believe, I'm not going to look at the internet. Um, I believe you were talking about the dust up, about the uh, punching the seat on Delta and the leaning back. And oh, yeah. I, as ever, I want to stipulate for the record, I do not will not, shall not, fox in a box, I do not recline. Just just a virtue signal a little bit here. But you said something about you never recline your seat. And the next tweet, you said something about, uh, I don't know if you said the men in your family, but you said, yeah. what, what was your quote? The men in your family treat life as an obstacle course. Right. Boy, I like that. I think, I mean, I'm thinking about that a lot. Yeah, it's true. And, and, you know, and it's not true of the women in my family. Hmm. Um, but uh, stark, stark demarcation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't recline and it isn't, you know, what the, my, my take on that is if the airline didn't tell you you could recline, if that button didn't exist, would you, uh, would it be something you missed? Like the, the that two, tiny, tiny little bit, yeah. the enjoyment that's so disproportionate, so asymmetric, the amount of jo of enjoyment, relaxation and extra room you get from rec reclining is it's, wildly offset by the extreme so, inconvenience you're doing to the person behind you. Yeah. The, the, whatever reclining gives you, it is, it is only the act of reclining because as soon as you have quote unquote reclined, <laughs> you are just as uncomfortable. Like it has given you zero. Mm -hmm. It's just in the moment of pushing the exchange the button rate and is explicitly back. terrible. You're it's bad. like it's you're gonna get a nickel's worth of comfort, and I'm gonna get uh, a ten dollar uh, a bill for for ten or fifteen dollars for for and, that for that little bit. And as you and I from the very beginning, you know, the whole premise of keep moving and get out of the way yeah. is do not inconvenience others. Do not as as you pass through life you it's you are absolutely capable of getting everything you need without ever standing in between someone else and oh what they God. need it's you it's, know it's so it's uh and again like just to just to reiterate the reason we 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 say keep moving and get out of the way it's not just it's not semantics it's not no. logic it's it's huge it's key the and part is arguably just it's about the, the most important part, because it's here's the part center. of the problem. It's right in the middle. Some people keep, keep moving. moving. Some people get out of the way. Out of the way. Not enough people do both. But because both. you kept moving or got out of the way, you feel like you're good. 
you're not good. You need no. to be doing both, and you need to remember you're part of a fucking society. Get out of the left lane if you're not going faster or faster. That's right. Move That's over. Right. Let other people drive. And always be looking, looking, looking. What could I do to make this better for other people that would cost me almost nothing? That's and aloha. What, what costs us Fuck almost me. nothing is reclining, because it Ugh. gives you almost nothing. Ugh. And it's it's just a... It's a and then you start off a chain reaction. Now, even nice, normal, normal-sized people are going to start reclining too. Like, well, I guess I better do this too. It's such a social experiment. And it's like, the, it's like the people in the first two rows at a concert who stand up when the band takes the stage. Why don't you go move to the back <laughs> if you want to stand? There's now 200 people that were perfectly comfortable in their seats who are forced to stand. You know, you know what my grandma would say in that case? What? You make a better door than a window. Yes, she would. Bless her heart. Obstacle course. We'll we'll cover that next time. <laughs>